True or false? If you are a manager, you must be a leader. If you're a leader, you must be a manager. I'm sure that if you are like me, you've worked with many people who were leaders in title only. Their behavior did not fulfill the mandate of what it takes to be a leader. But what does it take to not only be a leader, but to become a heroic leader? And that's coming up next on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that helps small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you dare to be the exception. Join our host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you develop your business. So you can take the time to work on your business, not just in your business. Here's your host, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode of Experience Leadership. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them work on their business, not just in their business. I am your host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, and today I am really excited to welcome back leadership expert, John Hansen. We will be chatting about what it takes to become a heroic leader, so stay with us till the very end because we will have some great tips, tricks, and techniques to help you become the leader you want to be. And we'll get to that in just a moment. First off, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you and your team get extraordinary value from today's content. That is, if you are sharing this with your team. If you find the information here valuable, I'd love it if you would share it on social media. And of course, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to this podcast. That'll keep you notified whenever I bring you brand new episodes. When I was first promoted, I was thrilled. I mean, I was working, I was promoted to work with my coworkers and thought that I had it made. But like many, I was not trained. I had no way of knowing how to engage and drive my team. So I have to ask you our question of the day. What was your first experience as a new leader? Go ahead and share your experience on social media. I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. So make sure that you, on social media, use the hashtag experience leadership. Go ahead and share this episode and your comments right along with it. And of course, feel free to push back. That's what conversation is all about. As I mentioned, my guest today is author and leadership expert, John D. Hansen. As the Director of Business Development for Accelerated Revenue, Inc., John's mission is to equip companies of all sizes to become heroes in every human interaction through holistic consulting, paradigm-shattering keynotes, and engaging workshops. He is the author of Wow Your Customers, Seven Ways to World-Class Service, which is available on Amazon. Welcome, John. It's so nice to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Mark. I love the number seven. So to be show 70, I think that's super cool. And then we overcame technology hurdles at its best to where I thought you did a fantastic job in the last show. And I'm still looking forward to our conversation today. I am so looking forward to it. You know, John, I loved having you on episode number 40, where we talked about customer service, how to really rock customer service. And I thought it was such a valuable episode. And so to everybody out there who hasn't seen it yet, go ahead and go on to markhainlive.com and look up episode number 40 with John, because we had such a great conversation. And from that, 
John actually became one of our presenters at the Spring 2021 Audacious Leaders Summit and blew the house, blew the roof off the, the summit. And <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to use things like blow and blue in this day and age. I think it, bombings are not a good reference point. But anyway, it's always nice and, and you and I connect and, you know, we are born of the same cloth. But maybe for those who don't know who you are, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what you do for your clients? Sure. So our approach is... Uh, like everything that I've done with these paradigm shattering presentations you talked about, Mark, is I actually go to the dictionary, one of the most boring places you could probably go. But for a logophile, and I'll explain what that means, means a lover of words, logophiles, I thought, you know, let's make this fresh. Let's go to the dictionary and find out what does this word mean? So every time that I've done that, it's been fascinating. I have learned so much by doing that. So heroism. Heroic, anything that has to do that, it pulls at us as humans. It's something that for millennia we followed and been obsessed with. This isn't just Hollywood. This goes back to ancient Greece and beyond that. What is heroism? Heroism is essentially the pursuit of two things, a higher purpose and excellence. What business doesn't start with those things in mind? It's not just about making money. It's about, I want to do this to take care of my family. I want to do this because I'm really good at this one thing. I want to add value to my clients. I want to add value to my team members as my company grows. So when you look at all these things, businesses often start with those ideals. And then as time goes on, it's like business you mentioned, right? Working in your business and then rather working on it. Our goal is to do cost savings, culture, and cash flow. We help free up businesses to do more by working less. That in a nutshell is what we do. Nice, nice. You know, we kicked off this episode because, of course, today's episode is all about leadership. And it troubles me when I have somebody who calls themselves a manager and has to constantly reinforce the fact that they're the manager. You have to listen to me. I'm the manager. But then where does the leadership fit in? So, you know, maybe we should start off by defining what is leadership and what is it not? <laughs> Great starting point, right? Because I thought the same thing. I, I knew it wasn't a title, Mark. I knew it wasn't just that, like... Hey, you've got a title. I've been a leader for many, many years. Back when I was a teenager, I was in some sort of leadership position. And it came with a title, but it didn't come with the ability to lead others. That comes through earning it. So in response to your question, leadership is actually not the act. It's the potential. Leadership is the capacity to lead. Until I went to the dictionary, I didn't find out that that's what ship meant, meant capacity. Leadership is capacity. So when I reflected back on my earlier days, very immature days of leadership, I was expecting that because I have the title, people should do what I say. People should follow. But true leadership finds out how do you engage others so that they want to come along with you. And so that leadership, then the capacity to lead means that actually greater weight falls on the leader than it does on the people following to increase that capacity, to fill that capacity with knowledge, experience, mentors, so that the gap between what I'm capable of and what I want to be capable of doesn't stay this wide. Otherwise, the experience that people have with me as a leader will never be achieving what the team can. And so the capacity to lead is what leadership actually means. I love that because it really then puts the onus on the leader to be that lifelong learner. We've been hearing, you know, becoming a, a lifelong learner or even a servant leader. 
We've been t- hearing th- about this for over a decade now. But really, you, this is the first time that I've actually had somebody put it into perspective, actually defining this ship in leadership is means that capacity. And so any leader who's out there who is not developing, how good of a leader can they be if they're not pushing their boundaries and their capacity and so on? Right. Right. Now, yeah. you have three types of leaders that you like to define. You like to put them in these little three little boxes. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I did that because I love word pictures. It helps describe to people. It helps me explain it more clearly. Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it well enough yourself. So in light of that, if I was talking to my six-year-old, hypothetical six-year-old, I don't have one at this point. I have a four and I have an 11, but I don't have a six. So if I was explaining to a six-year-old, I explain it this way. There are three types of leaders, I believe. Number one is the travel agent. Their job is to book a great trip for you. They're going to set it up for you. They're going to make sure it's full of great experiences. But you know what? They're going to say, let me know how it goes when you got back. Send me a postcard. Write me a letter. I'd love to hear how it is. But they don't go on the trip with you. So that's one. That's the person that has the title of being a leader, but they're not around. They're not involved. They are not. They don't know you from another person on the team because they haven't built a relationship with you. They didn't go with you on the trip. The second category would be the tour guide. Now, I'm going to delineate here. So I'm going to use two different types of tour guides. One is the one that's an, the hourly employee. That might, might be typically it's the younger person that's there because, well, that's the best job they could find or the one they were most interested in doing. But when they go through the tour, it's kind of by the motions. They hit the signs, they hit the experiences, they hit all, they check all the boxes, right? So they went on the trip with you, but you could tell it was just lacking that passion, that energy. Their eyes didn't light up when they talked about things that were fascinating, right? So you could have a tour guide that takes you on the tour, that goes with you on the trip. You can have a leader that does the same, but there's no energy or passion. Now let's take it to the tour guide that is just a consummate professional, that loves what they do. They could have picked anything, and this is the career they want to do. When they take you on that trip, their eyes light up. They tell you something unique. Every time you go, you could go on that trip 15 different times and you would hear something different every time you went because they loved what they did. They wanted to connect with the people, even if they would only take that tour once. So here's the engaged leadership portion as a tour guide who not only goes with you on the trip, but wants to make sure you get the most out of it. They don't care if you with the company for a year or you're there for 10 years. They want to make sure that they are adding value to you. And that's the difference between an engaged leader, a heroic leader, and someone who's by title only, or someone who's doing it, but only going through the motions. And those are the three categories that I use to explain the difference between a leader who is engaged, a leader who's there, and a leader who's not there. Right, right. You know, so many memes now are delineating kind of the manager versus leaders, Yes, And there's so many, I mean, there's so many truths to the kind of comic components that the memes create. And, you know, The Office was a perfect example of that. You know, (laughs) The Office was so brilliant in being able to highlight somebody who has a leadership role, but has a real trouble actually leading because he was more, more focused on wanting to be liked and, you know, wanting to, you know, satisfy his boss, but then at the expense he always was on balancing on this tightrope. We know that there are leaders out there who want to be liked. We have leaders who are 
kind of the dictators and so on. Is there an ideal, when you talk about heroic leadership, is there an ideal kind of personality that we need to get into or mindset that we need to get into in order to be effective? That's a great question, Mark, because the only thing that turns people off more than being disengaged is inauthenticity, being inauthentic, not being yourself. I'm certainly not expecting people to change who they are and put on a persona because that becomes, and you would understand this well being in theater, that becomes an act. That's not who they are as a person. So we don't want people in leadership roles to assume that I've got to paste on this greater than life persona. No, actually, it's the other way around. Whoever you are, and there's enough personality tests out there to determine who you are. Who you are has got to be your leadership style. What we're saying is add some tools to that. Take this toolbox and fill it with tools and knowledge that work so that through your authentic leadership style, you can connect and engage and your team can accomplish more. So it's not about being someone you're not or trying to please everyone. It's really about identifying who you are as a person and then adding all the professional tools so that you can engage more or better and you'll always accomplish more. Your team will always accomplish more if you do that. So authenticity in marketing, that actually that's engaging people more nowadays, authenticity than the polished commercials that have actors because people are worn thin with that. They know those are actors. They know those aren't real people. They actually prefer the authentic stories. So authenticity is the most important one you can have. And I would say a tool that I would start with is empathy. If you can learn how to put yourself in someone else's shoes, especially if it's not innate, I was hardwired with it. I had it since I was a kid, but there are other people that need to learn this. How do I put myself in other people's shoes of all different types of personalities? If you as a leader can learn how to do that, you will be remarkably effective because you'll be able to, in a sense, put yourself in someone else's world, no matter what their personality, no matter what their role, that is. People that can do that innately, wow, talk about a superpower. But if you can learn how to empathize, not sympathize, empathize, you can be a phenomenal leader in in any role. Absolutely. I want to dig a little bit deeper into what leaders can do to engage their teams. And we'll get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Haim. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhaim.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with leadership expert and trainer John D. Hansen. John, before we get any further into this leadership thing, you know, one thing that intrigued me was our pre-conversation before we went live, and you were talking about that you actually are now getting into, you're like recording the second episode of a online radio show? Yes, so we are doing The Heroic Experience, a weekly show that's going to be on all the major podcasts. We're working on getting that on those this week. It's available on our website now and on LinkedIn. There's a link there as well. So it's about the heroic experience for business owners, for senior leaders, for executives, for entrepreneurs of sharing the stories of how people experienced that kind of heroic success. 
And heroism, again, is a higher purpose and excellence. Those are two things, how they experience that and how they have freedom where the business isn't running them. They're running a business. They're working less and accomplishing more by applying these things. So we're gleaning those stories from them. And it's so fascinating to hear people's stories, both for their client's success and for their own. And that's a something we're super excited about. Like you said, we're two shows in and I'm loving it. I'm back in the radio studio. I love it. We've got a great producer. So clean 30 minutes. Somebody needs, and they got a 32 minute commute. We can fit in every single time. I guarantee it. Nice, nice. We'll put the link to that all in the show notes so people have easy access to it because I think it's really important. And and you're speaking to our people. These are the people who are tuning in today are the people that this this podcast is used for. And Ed, I love the approach that it takes to actually talk to people to figure out what is that heroic experience looking like on their behalf. And, you know, it goes to, I think it goes a little bit to what we said before the break about this idea of authenticity is kind of yeah. the new currency, I think, in building trust. But when it comes to those people who are new to leadership, what myths do you think that they need to overcome before they ever make that leap into that heroism that we've been talking about? Oh, gosh, I'm reflecting back as you asked that question, Mark, on my earlier days, and I'm just cringing inside because of two myths. One is that I had to know everything, right? Yep. Secondly, was that I had to work harder than everybody else. Now, let me explain the second one first. I am not saying that you can come in after everybody else and leave before everybody else and the team will be fine with that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that people sacrifice their health, other priorities outside of work, their personal life, their loved ones, for the sake of these opportunities where they feel like they've got to put in so much to make a difference to either replace a great leader that was before them or or to replace a horrible leader that was before them. No, it's not about the amount of effort. You could do that endlessly and you're not going to be able to engage as well as someone who's intentional and applies the tools that we're talking about to help connect and engage with your team. You could put all the time and effort into the world and it still not have the same impact as being an engaged leader. First of all, you will never know all there is to know. Secondly, they've actually proven that people come in saying, I don't know everything there is to know, and I'd love to learn as much as possible. Those people actually learn more than the ones that think they know it all because they know there's a gap between what they would like to know and what they do know. Those kinds of leaders who are always learning, like you mentioned in the intro, always learning, those are the ones that are the best kinds of leaders to be around because they're always learning something new about business, outside of business, personal life. They're the most fascinating and interesting people because they're always learning. And that's what keeps us young. That's what keeps us engaged ourselves, not just for our team. And it's interesting, the the focus on the learning aspect of it, how important that is, because there's nobody on the planet who doesn't develop skill by learning and practicing, learning and practicing, learning and practicing. And yeah, they're going to fall down a lot. We had one episode with Celine Williams talking about the power of failure in our businesses and how we can learn because we failed. And, you know, leaders like you, I grew up and I thought, you know, all the leaders I ever talked to are like perfect human beings. They never have any (laughs) emotional crises. They're never, they have all the answers they had. And it was all a lie. And now we're turning, people are turning around and saying, okay, well, now we no longer rule from the roost. 
we actually kind of work with people rather than above people. But I find that the biggest issues leaders have today is this idea that they are they must be engaging their teams. For our listeners, what kind of ways do you think that leaders can effectively engage their teams? You started with empathy, but are there other ways? Oh, yes. I've got a presentation that has 40 ideas for both engaging and empowering your team, but I'm not going to try and bore everybody or fit it into a, a ramble for that long. So let me just talk about a couple. One in particular, believe it or not, is what you start with before you even go to work in the morning. It's gratefulness. I call them gratitudes. I start off with three fresh ones every day. As I get in the car and I'm heading off to the office every day, three things that I am just grateful for. And I try to keep them fresh. I try never to repeat ones unless they were that good. I always try to keep them fresh from either the day before or the week before. So I'm constantly starting off my day with gratitude. Gratefulness is huge. It's a great foundation for leaders who can seem to rise above it all, no matter what's being thrown at them. Gratefulness, number one. Number two is I would say that it's another simple tool that is underused. Smile. I know it seems like, but of course I smile. Do you really? Like when I'm talking to a camera and I'm taking a picture, I think in my mind, I'm smiling at my four-year-old son. Is that the smile that people are getting or is it the pasted on smile for the photographer? It's that smile at work that's either authentic or pasted on. If your team is experiencing the authentic smile, then they know that you actually care being around them. And we can tell the difference, just like you can tell a staged photo. And the third one is this, and it's very simple, is to under-promise and over-deliver internally to your team. What I mean is build in margin. If you know that you need to get something to your team and they need it by Wednesday afternoon, then you would say, I'd like to have it to you by Wednesday afternoon, get it to you by Wednesday morning. Will that work for you? knowing in your mind that you could have it done by Tuesday. Because if you say, if they say they need it by Wednesday and you're planning to get it to them by Wednesday, life doesn't work that way. You know, things are going to come up. You have to build margin in. So if someone says, I need my Wednesday morning and you know, you can't get them to Wednesday afternoon, ask them, would it be possible if I could get that to you by Thursday morning? Or would that make it too tight for you? What you just did was you found out, is this a hard line for you? Is this just a preference? Number two, you built in margin so that when life comes up, you can still get it to them by the date and time they need. And number three, you're actually helping prioritize things so that you get things done when you need to get them done. But you're always framing it in a way that it's about them. I can get it to you by Thursday morning. Will that work for you? And then if they say no, then you do everything you can to get it to it by Wednesday afternoon. Build margin in by under-promising and over-delivering. Love Those it. Three tips I got. Love it. You know, and we create, as leaders, we create accountabilities for our team as well. And so the one thing that we can never, ever do is put ourselves in a position where we're handicapping the performance of those people who we're responsible for, you know, making sure that they get their things done on time. What a great thing. And I love the smile one. You know, I think that's, it's so simple and yet it is so important. In fact, you know, when I was working in a hotel, This particular hotel I was working in had a banquet facility, and my son came to help out in banquets and to help with stuff. And he and I were moving a table, and I was on one end of the table, he was on the other, and we were walking through the the hotel trying to bring this, this display table out. 
And he says, he goes, you know what, Dad? One thing I noticed, he says, the minute we walked in here, you've done nothing but smiled the whole time. And I said, well, yeah, you know, I can never let anybody know that I'm stressed. My role as a leader is to make sure I absorb stress, not give stress. And he goes, oh, Dad, that is really, really great. Could you do that at home? I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, the truth, right? The truth comes out. and But, you know, it's an amazing, it was actually an amazing observation that he had with that. And now, yes, I do it at home. I try to smile more at home. But, you know, engagement is one thing. I would really love to get into how leaders can empower their team. And I'd like to do that right after this. When you're delivering an important speech to a huge audience, it's easy to lose your place or go way over time. Give yourself an advantage with the Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app. No more checking your watch or calling for time. The Pro Speaker Presentation Speech Timer app keeps you on track with easy-to-see timers, even changing color for visual prompts during your speech. And you can set audio cues to practice or set it to vibrate so you don't even have to look. Be the pro you know you are. Download the app at speakerpresentationtimer.com. Welcome back. I hope that you are getting lots from today's episodes. This is absolutely phenomenal information. And like I said, you know, we have a lot of fun as well because we've seen what bad leadership looks like and it becomes easy to spot. And, you know, when you are effective, there's something you actually feel that it's working and it's and it can be absolutely magical because you do raise other people, not yourself. John, this has been absolutely fabulous. How can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and get some advice from your side? Best way, and I love to do consultations, uh, just a discussion to start things off. No obligation or cost up front. Visit our website. There's contact information there. You can message me on LinkedIn. Just send me a message. I'd be happy to chat with you there. So those are the two best ways. Our website and LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out in whichever way is more convenient for you, but I'd love to talk with you about especially your leadership or about your business, what you'd like to achieve. Nice. Thank you for that. Once again, I will put it into the show notes so people have a, just an easy click to it. It used to be, you know, managers, their job was to tell people what to do. In fact, when I was in McDonald's, I was 17 years old. I was a shift manager and I had been promoted and I thought this was great. And I got chastised by my boss because A, I didn't get angry enough, like often enough. And B is I di wasn't telling people what to do. Now, there's a difference between delegation and telling people what to do. What is the difference to you as far as that, that component is concerned? Ah, uh, Vern Harnish wrote a book called Scaling Up. And in that book, I'm going to paraphrase it. I've written it twice this morning to someone, to Vern himself. He was asking for feedback on his book, and I was happy to give it to him. He said that the success of the business cannot be dependent upon the person at the top. Meaning that if you're giving orders all the time, then you're not equipping your team so that they can be empowered to do the very best at that job. You're giving them fish rather than teaching them how to fish. Delegation is teaching them how to fish rather than giving them one. So if you're just an order giver, you're just dictating how things should go. You're a dictator. Those That team is going to learn to be dependent entirely upon your direction which for people who are all about themselves and ego-driven and managers as opposed to coaches or mentors, that's exactly what they think works. The problem is it works so well that in your absence, the team falls apart. The team can't accomplish things. And that's actually an insecure leader 
that has to always be giving the orders. A, a secure leader, a heroic leader, understands that by equipping his team or her team, by delegating those things, they will enable their team to achieve far more because now you're talking about multiplication rather than just duplication. We're talking about multiplication. When you're equipping people to do the very best at whatever their role or their job is, and at McDonald's, it's extremely segmented. If you can help that person running the fry machine run that so well, they don't need your oversight. Beautiful. Now you can focus on someone else's and your team will just run like clockwork. And the experience they will have as team members and the customers will have will be that much better because you're delegating, you're equipping rather than just giving orders. Anybody can give orders, but then they become dependent upon the orders being given rather than doing the very best of what they're entrusted with. As you were saying that, it made me, so you used the word heroic leadership. The reverse to that is leadership that wants to be a hero. <laughs> Feel free to steal that. But that's, to me, that's what the, def as you were saying this, it's like the reason why people want to get their two cents worth in all the time is they probably take credit for everything that goes on with their teams. They want to be the yes. hero of the story. And being the hero, uh, forcing yourself to be the hero of that story doesn't make you a heroic leader. That's true. It's well said. Wow. Yes. It's like a little ding. But, you know, a lot of this. So, you know, when I grew up in the in the late 70s, early 80s in the workforce, it was all carrot and sticking. It was all about rewards. And yes. if you perform, you get a five cent increase. And if you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now, it seems to me that there it's all about what you started off talking with about, which was this idea of empowering our teams. How does one go through and create a habit of empowerment? Oh, you set the ball on the tee for me. I don't golf very well, but I enjoy it because I'm not very good. You set it right there on the tee for me, Mark, because the very thing that was on the top of my mind was the most powerful tool for leaders is not rewards. Nope. It does start with RE, but it's not rewards. Career Builder had a study, and it still holds true today. It was just a few years ago. It said that the top three reasons why team members stay with an opportunity or go somewhere else, top three. Number three was compensation, pay. It is a factor, absolutely, undeniable, top three. But the second one was work-life balance. And that's coming more and more to the front as people are experiencing the freedom of working remotely where they're finding they have more work-life balance now than ever before. And we have enough stats to prove that they're just as or more productive than if they were regularly spending two hours of their day commuting into a building and then back to their personal life. Number two, work-life balance. And I bet you that's moving up the scale. But number one, and you'll never top this, I guarantee you, number one, the number one reason why team members stayed or left was recognition or the lack of it. Recognition is something that is so simple to do has no cost but your time and intentionality to do it. And I'm not talking about rewards. I'm not talking about money or bonus or gifts or any of that. I'm talking about, and I'm, you're going to flip the script on your team if you actually do this. I'm talking about calling your people into the office, not when it's the quarterly or annual review, just off the cut, because they're going to immediately have that sinking feeling like, oh, crap, what did I do now? They're bracing themselves for something that they did wrong. And instead, you as the leader is going to say, you know, I was just talking to Susie down on accounting and she always gets what she needs from you a day ahead. It makes her job so much easier. She wanted me to say thank you for doing that. Or, you know, I was just talking to Mr. Smith and he says every time he calls in, and this is one of our regular clients that spends a lot with us, 
every time he talks with you, he puts down the phone feeling that much better about his day. I just wanted to share that good news with you. That's it. Positive reinforcement or recognition of something tangible they did, not flattery. We are so glad to have you on the team. We are so happy that you're with us. So what? That doesn't mean anything. When you tie it to something tangible that they did, that is recognition. I still remember two, I, I can picture it in my mind and I still get chills every time I tell the story. When I was a summer camp counselor, the director, the person I worked for, at the end of the summer, when I was just wasted, exhausted, 10, 10-year-old boys is who I was in charge of every week for eight weeks. He came up to me at the table and I looked like I was worn out because I was. I said, John, when we first hired you, I had concerns about you, but I can honestly say you're one of the best counselors we've got. I'll tell you, I was just floating on cloud nine. And that was over 25 years ago that that happened. And I still remember it and feel it to this day. Now, imagine if you did that for your team, that is the best place to start. Love it. Love it. And so while we're on this topic, then just to create some clarity, I want to talk about components of these kinds of recognition. You you alluded to it, but I think let's try to make it a little bit more concrete. Okay. So the one is call them into the office, your office, randomly, because you don't want it to be in front of others, then it becomes a show. So it needs to be in private, but building them up in private. Another one that I love to do is little handwritten notes. I do this, don't tell my team, but I put it on my calendar so that every month it comes up to remind me to put a handwritten note of what I just love about what they've done or who they are, what they contribute to the team. And I put that on their computer monitor every morning. So when they come in, it's there waiting for them. I do that every month, at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. I have a smaller team. If you've got a bigger team, that could be tough, but at least once a month. Our weeks are so busy and our days are so full, they will never guess that it's the same day every month. They, they really won't. It's more the thought that counts and the intentionality behind it. So that's another way. And then, of course, you talked about this, Mark. Being a heroic leader does not mean you have to be the hero. As a matter of fact, it's far more effective for your team if you make them the hero. So you are wanting to elevate everyone on your team that's on board with this. You can't bring up everybody if they don't want to go on the trip. All the ones who do, you can equip them to become heroes and them to see themselves as the role that they do. And how they do it is just as heroic as yours, if not more so, because you could have a CEO with nobody working for you. What does that get you? So the, the recognition, the random acts, I do that every month. And then on top of that, you also want to be encouraging them with specific things that are doing for their job, equipping them so that they see themselves as leaders. Because again, leadership is having the capacity to lead not actually being in charge of others. I love it. You know, I'm a big proponent of the coaching process and the mentoring process. And I've always said, you know, what gets recognized and rewarded gets repeated. What a great yeah. way when people turn around and look at their culture and they go, I don't understand why people don't dot, dot, dot. Well, it's because you haven't, <laughs> yeah. you haven't rewarded people by the recognition. And that's a challenge. And the reward and recognition piece, I think, is really an important aspect to what we do. And as John was alluding to, we have to turn around and be very specific in our recognition. As John was, was mentioning, when you have a specific thing about, you know, you're able to get 
the paperwork to that particular office by this consistently and you make her life so much easier. Well, by having the ability to actually quantify the results of somebody's behavior, it makes it more relevant to them. You know, I remember working in a hotel and, you know, at the end of the day, I'd say, you know, as people were leaving, thanks, Donna, have a great day. Thanks for everything you did today. And she goes, well, why do you keep thanking me? And I said, well, because you came into work today and you did a good job. Thank you very much. But what I didn't realize was I wasn't making it specific enough. It wasn't a specific give of, of recognition. I didn't recognize that the aspects of her behavior that I wanted to support and I wanted her to repeat. I was just saying, okay, thanks. Have a great day. Thanks for everything you did today. And it didn't come out the same way. So when we're talking about this idea of creating this leadership mindset where we're here to provide service, we're here to learn and develop our skills, we're here to make sure that we're developing the skills of others, are there any cautionaries as to what we are talking about today? Is it possible that some people can go too far? Yes, not only too far, but what about those people that the old saying, and I know it's so Worn and overused, many people haven't heard it because it's been a while, right? So it's so old. You can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that is absolutely true. Now apply that same principle to leadership or trying to equip others to do the same, to see themselves as leaders, to equip them so that they can function as leaders. Leaders not meaning take charge, leaders meaning not being a lone ranger. So those would be three things that I would say. And the first one is don't be a lone ranger, meaning don't try and do it all on your own. The people that are, that do, that don't see the need for others, you can pour as much as you want or try to pour as much as you want into them, and it won't make a difference. It won't be appreciated. So the one caution that I would have for people who are in leadership roles is identify the ones that are hungry, that want to learn. And it doesn't matter where they are on the spectrum as far as title goes. Look within your organization and find out the ones who are hungry because pouring into them will have the greatest impact and will mean the most to them. It will also improve the morale of your team because the people that are looking for it and hungry for it are probably also the ones that are active in building relationships and making them strong internally and externally. The payback that you get, you don't do this for the payback, but the reward you as a leader get by identifying and then pouring into these individuals is that you'll see not only those individuals grow from being equipped, but you'll see that it impacts the morale of the company and the customers outside of it. Win, 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 win levels. Yeah. And there's no negative. Right. 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 And so as we go through today, you know, I hope this was of value to you. John's information will be in the show notes. So feel free to reach out to him. His contact information, of course, and a link to his book as well is there. And I think You could do a heck of a lot worse than to not contact John for a free 30-minute consult. But that's really all the time that we have today. I want to thank John so much. I'm, I'm sorry that the internet gods decided to boot him out. But I really appreciate that John took the time today to share his knowledge, his passion, and his expertise. And as always, my offer stands. If you would like to have 30 minutes complimentary of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, please feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is down below. It's the one that's marked meetme.so slash Markane. And as always, I am at your service. You know, our little logo popped up here for the Audacious Leaders Summit. Go ahead and mark your calendar. 
for November 5th and 6th, we will be hosting the Fall 2021 Audacious Leader Summit. Check it out at audaciousleadersummit.com slash fall 2021. And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to this program? I would love if you would follow me on social media and get notification. My name is Mark Hain. I hope that you stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com where you can subscribe to iTunes or by RSS so you'll never miss a show. Or go directly to markhainlive.com to watch the video edition of this podcast. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes. Or you can share it and tell your friends all about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.